0: Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome
1: to episode 90, the podcast they said would never make it. Of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets, our special guest will join us right after the first break. I'm Mike Veck, the president of the St. Saint Paul Saints baseball, in the studio.
0: Andy Brant-Bernard.
2: Melissa Bernard.
0: And last but not least... Tommy. We'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest?
1: Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own.
0: And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle,
1: president at North American Banking Company.
0: And I'm Mike Bilsky, CEO at North
1: American Banking Company.
2: As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses.
1: And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders. When your business banks with us, you're not training in a new, inexperienced banker.
2: In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us.
1: When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you.
0: Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So, why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender.
1: Got your headphones on? Yes, we do. Seatbelts buckled? Buckle up. Episode 90 Why? of Walter Automotive yes. Car Selling Secrets. Our special guest joining us from, Mike, where, the, where are you calling from now? I,
2: I think I'm in Clinton, Mississippi, but I'm not really certain. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the crossroads because Robert Johnson's always been my hero, and I want to strike another deal with the devil. Are,
1: are you really going to Clarksville? Are you really going there?
2: Yeah, what do I got? I, what, send you a postcard when I get
1: there? No, I'm, I, no, I'm impressed. That's cool. I, I have a Mississippi story. Years, five years ago, my wife and I were in New Orleans at the National Auto Dealers Association convention. And they closed down the whole coast because of a big ice storm. Shut down the airlines from, oh, Houston all the way to Pensacola. And so we got on the phone, and it, had, you know, it hadn't hit yet. And we wanted to get back home. And they said, well, you know, if you can get up to Memphis, uh, we'll book you on a flight out of there. So we drove through Mississippi. And if you've never been there, it's just kind of the weirdest place in the world. And they found this cool, local, classic R&B Station and the DJ is some old black dude that sounded like he swallowed a whole bunch of razors that would burst in in the middle of every tune. <laughs>
0: that's right, tell it like it is. That's the way it goes. Uh huh. It, awesome. it was just
1: great, not not polished radio by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly unique. So that is, that's a cool part of the country down there.
2: Yeah, we just got off the Natchez Trace. It's the most beautiful, pristine stretch of highway. That I've been on since I was a kid out there, you know, in, uh, in Maryland, and I rode that uh, um, Parkway in, in Virginia, which I thought was the most beautiful till I saw this. I understand now why, why Hibbing, Minnesota's, you know, best-known product renamed it, or, or named it Highway 61 Revisited, because it is really, it's a gas driving up this river road. Well, especially
1: oh, yeah. this time of the year, because it's not a billion degrees.
2: No, and, and it ain't cold, although I can tell you the last few days, we've had some lightning storms that my dog loves me now. My dog didn't like me much before, but now, slept with me the last few nights, my dog loves me.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I have one very quick Mississippi story. I'm staying at the Beau Rivage several years ago down there. I met with uh, Governor Hallie Barber. We're going to meet with Governor Barber down there, and I check into the hotel and some people can go, oh, I are going to piss and moan about this. But I walk in, and the woman behind the desk is this very attractive Asian woman, right? Well, I've never been to Mississippi, you know, and never spent any time there. But this very beautiful young woman, Asian woman. And I walk up, and she goes, y'all chicken in? I went, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I had never seen an Asian with a southern accent before. It was a new experience for me. But you, yeah, I was just a sweetheart of a person. But it just seemed—I don't know—you, you just never been around that
1: before. It's uh, the first time I went to England. Actually, the only time I had that same experience with uh, uh, black English people. Right. You know, yeah. I'm speaking the Queen's English, and I'm, right. just, I'm just not used to it. You, you don't That's sound like an American.
0: Is. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation. You're not judging them in any shape no. or form. It's just I'm not used to that. It's kind of cool, actually. And it was. It was very cool, actually. And like I said, she was a swimmer. It girl. is.
2: You know what I loved about I wish I'd gone to Beau Rivage because I, I, I went to uh, Paris in Biloxi and just got carpeted. Just got cleaned. <laughs> so I'm, uh, that's, that's why I'm in the RV with my dog now. But that's a whole other business in me story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a different story. Oh God, the bow. Yeah, it's a hell of a nice hotel actually. So, yeah, I said
2: I love that area. Yeah, I do too. That's that's really beautiful that way. So
0: So are you just
1: down there screwing around with your dog or are you doing actual work?
2: Well, I'm 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 driving in pursuit of in pursuit of baseball. I figure I'll be up in the Twin Cities, you know, sometime early May. And uh, you know we open because I'm I'm practicing my my um, go twins go twins. <laughs> I hate the white socks. I hate the white oh socks. I, I got to practice all this stuff. So uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I can sell out with the best of. Them. Oh, that's going to be one of ours. But the Saints sell out. We stole that from Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. But sure. you know, hey.
0: It makes total sense, no doubt. You know, Mike, I cannot tell you, and Doug and I've been talking about this, and I'm obviously going to toss it back to Doug for to talk about this. But I love the connection you and the twins. What a great thing it is for me. It's wonderful. More me now.
2: You know something? It's really. um, I've had several conversations with uh, Jim Polad and and. uh, and many with Dave St. Peter, and I still say to myself, I can't believe it. I mean, you know, uh, Jim Paulette says, I hope more of you rubs off on us. And, you know, for 30 years, being the outliers, this is really, uh, you know, something for me. And to be able to join an operation, it's always had such a great you know, it's always had a great baseball side, and we used to own the Miracle, and so we ran their spring training. Right. Uh, Derek and Tom. But, you know, to work with an organization that brings talent up from within, which everybody says they try to do, but they don't. But the Twins have always historically done that. And the idea of being able to see this array of talent, you know, parade 10 miles on the green line, it, yeah. it, it really is something. I mean...
0: It's a dream come true for baseball fans, I'll tell you that. And I'm a huge baseball fan. To have you both working together, that's terrific. It's great for the state.
1: We're, we're, Mike, were you shocked when you got the call? Did you say, th- this must be a prank, and hang up a couple of times? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> you know what was so funny was um, was Dave, Dave St. Peter has always, he really has normalized. You know, Andy McPhail and I. I'm as good a baseball guy as he is, and I take nothing away from his talent. But we just never really um, got on, and and so I got used to kind of hunkering down and poking my head up to take a shot. Dave St. Peter said, "You know, we're we're going to get along with these guys. They forged a relationship. He and um, and Derek uh, Scherer, our our GM, especially, and so." When they called and said, you know, maybe we could we could discuss this, I, I, you know, I was still in shock publicly because I said, you know, I, I made the statement I was the last one um, who said, I don't know who we can affiliate with. I just, it just never seemed possible to me. And so when we had the first conversation and they were talking about geographically getting closer to parent clubs and the like, um, suddenly... Overnight, it became very real, and I asked my um, son, Nitrain, I said, Nitrain, if you, uh, he's 35, I said, if you had your druthers, um, who are the top two or three teams that you'd want to be affiliated with or work with? And he said the Twins were the first on his list because of their social media platforms, because of... Um, their attempt to, um, you know, work uh, the whole state and their commitment to um, charities, and I, I found that remarkable. He worked for the White Sox for seven and a half years, and mm-hmm. they didn't—they didn't make the three. So, wow. it was a very interesting conversation. So, from all points, um, it just seemed like—I mean, forget the geographic. Even if it didn't work so beautifully, right? It, it just would have worked. Ahead.
1: I remember texting you, I think, last fall when the first news started to filter through, and I said, Mike, are they really going to let you back into the majors? And you replied, no way.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, Groucho was right. I'd never be a member of a club that would ever happen. Man. Absolutely. Good God. It was like I was listening during the break, um, you know, to, the, um, um, to your bank ad. And I wish my old man had lived long enough to know that you could wear a mask into a bank <laughs> oh, <stuff>. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my, my old man would never believe that you know he'd have been like hey McGill let's visit a couple today
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to believe you're right yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah. a lot of people that I uh, talk to that are uh, Saints fans are curious about what the, what's going to be different now that you're uh, in, associated with the twins directly
2: well, you know, I, I think the first thing that that people worry about is they say, "Well, you know, you you've been kind of um, silly or snarky or cheap theatrics or whatever."
1: Those are um, expensive theatrics, from yeah. what I can tell. Yeah, There's nothing cheap about what are they them. talking about.
2: Yeah, well, we we you know we've tried, and and so people worry that we're going to change. And um, I go back to my conversation with with uh, uh, with Jim said, we we don't want you to change. We we don't want to have anything to do with um, basically your show. And so what we feel is going to happen is that except for some of the hijinks we do between innings on the field, which may have to be uh, limited to on dugouts and in stands and things like that, I think very little is going to change. And obviously on the field – the consistency will be will be terrific and Mm -hmm. it's not that we didn't play i think great baseball for for almost 30 years but if you had a rookie on the mound you were gonna you, you know you would know the difference and and um so those are the things that i think people will be watching i'm gonna miss george Samus. i think that you know in a couple of years he should find his way back um with an organization. I think he's just a, a great manager. But I'm sure not complaining about, you know, Toby Garden hire. He comes from good stock So right. I think people will worry um that we'll change in our approach. I don't think that'll happen. We're not raising um prices. And there is gonna be some experimental uh baseball, which I think is also important. I mean baseball's in a crossroads. Yep. We need to make a lot of decisions about how we're going to attract younger fans. And so this is the first time I can remember I've been, you know, I've worked for four major league teams, been fired by all, And I, I, this is the first time I can remember that we're really going to have a seat at the table where we can make suggestions, not just because something monetizes itself, but actually because it would be for the better, um, not only of the fans, but for the game. And I think that's, Really, really important right
1: now. When you talk about uh, experimental stuff, does it, is that you talking about things like automated strike zones and things like that?
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, ours, ours is you know they're they're going to take the bases um, in the Triple A, um, increasing the base size, fewer uh, you know um, injuries. Uh, I don't know what effect it'll have on. On pickoffs and and stealing, I think that's probably exaggerated, but it, it will um, it, it will be interesting to watch. You know, the shift going away or being limited in at double A, for example, and step off rules and pickoff limitations and you know pitch timers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think these are all things that are already, um, if not in the rules. As, if, as the pitch clock is, but it's a good chance to experiment to see how we can keep the game moving along. I don't think we have to, you know, make the game plow through. That's one of its great jo- joys of baseball is kind of its, its pace where you don't have to watch every pitch and you can have a conversation with people next to you. But I think this will move it along. You know, two hours and 20 minutes seems like a perfect time like a perfect time but more importantly diversity in in the game more and more uh women coming through the ranks now we have a pipeline you know if somebody works for the saints in the old days you had to be able to call dave st peter and say dave i got a superstar who loved the saints for eight years but wants to be with you all now suddenly there's a there's there's a pipeline and yeah. because One of the things that will cure Major League Baseball's problem is to have a bunch of people who work 16-hour days at minor league baseball for not a lot of money because they love it and they're passionate about it. And we need that infusion at the Major League level. And I think it will help.
1: My stepson, uh, I think just this week, applied for a job as a ticket taker down there. And he was going down for the interview, and he says, You know, Mike, don't you? And I said, Yeah, don't tell anybody that or you'll never get the gig. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, <laughs> I I have to tell everyone that you know I had to tell my son that with the White Sox it was tough.
0: <laughs> oh God, yes! <laughs> Can
1: no, you he, imagine? He was excited. He's not a he's a he's a football fan, not a huge baseball fan. But I started taking the family down to I think the first season whenever the the new stadium was built, CHS Field, and he just fell in love with the whole experience and. Just graduated from college he's applying to become a school teacher in a couple different parts and he's just, you know, working in a movie theater and he goes, "Yeah, I think I want to take tickets for the the Saints. it would be really fun to get to go see some games." So it's uh we'll see if he gets the job. Maybe it's gets thrown out at the plate so to speak. Oh,
2: it's one of the great it's really one of the great not only the people watch but to talk. You know, Saints fans come in and they're they're geared up to enjoy themselves. You know, the idea that we are that our our end product is baseball is quiet compared to fu- who would ever think that 30 years later funds more important in our society uh and i think people are going to be you know ready to talk and more importantly uh, you know ready to listen to what their neighbors say so i look at this as a big reset and i think it's going to be exciting to be involved in in sports or music or anywhere where people gather
1: yeah, you know, we were talking about that in the first hour. I'm, I'm excited that the the Olympics are actually going to take this place this year. I think it's a good thing for the world as we try to get back to normal, and baseball is certainly a big part of that as well.
2: Yeah, and we have an opportunity, um, you know, that I think, you know, we opened last year, and, and you never hear me talk like this. I, I try to, you know, make fun of it, and it's, you know, self-effacing. But, I mean, the protocol's. Um, and the commitment to playing um, last season uh, at CHS, even in a limited basis, that protocol was used all over the country for allowing fans in separate entrances and separate um, concession stands and restrooms and, and the like. And it shows you that an organization that's, well run, the way Derek and, and Chris and Tom, the folks run it, um, can have such an impact because people were calling from all over the country asking if they could have a copy. Could they go online? We just put the protocol online and they come and shop it. And um, so it was exciting. And, and even though, you know, like everyone, we took it on the chin, it was, it was worth it ultimately because we kept all our folks, and we learned a lot about about dealing with something that, you know, nobody's ever had to deal with.
1: So in this season, what are the restrictions you're going to operate under, and how quickly do you think that'll change? Because I don't know the number right off the top of my head, but I thought capacity at CHS is, what, around 8,500 or 9,000 people?
2: Yeah, and it's um, we have 7,210, and then who knows? depending which fire marshals work and, you know, how many are floating around. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Holy God! Nobody listens Some,
1: to this podcast anyway. You're fine, Mike. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. There you go.
2: <laughs> so uh, what I think will ultimately happen is that we're at 28% right now, 27.5%, 28%. Um, so that'll be 2,500 people uh and i think then in in june or july um we'll be able to revisit that and expand it a little bit um you know based on it's been a you know a pleasure working with um the state because you know i i live part-time in south carolina where we have a clue what was going on and um at least, whether you agree or disagree with Walsh, you know where you stand. So, I think it's going to open quickly. I know that Madison Square Larry Doby Jr. works for Madison Square Garden, and um, and Billy Joel when he goes out. And I think that there's uh, talk that there's going to be a, a midsummer tour for Joel, and that uh, um, MSG is going to open in the third quarter. So, I think that bodes well. Um, for all of us so I think it'll go from you know masks and 27 percent and social distancing continue masks and social distancing but expand maybe as much as 50 60
1: percent yeah I think I mean nobody knows for sure but it seems like the the vaccine thing is is going faster than people had anticipated a couple of months ago and and we're getting closer to uh, getting everybody who wants to get vaccinated. Obviously, not everybody in the country is going to do that. Uh, it's the availability is getting much better, and hopefully that portends well for public events like baseball and concerts. I miss live music too. It's just, oh, yeah. it's, just it's just weirdest year in my life. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I, the the live music I think has had more of an effect uh, on people. Um, than anything else that, that I can recall. Even even the saloons, I think that people, more people than I realize, seek out, you know, a watering spot where there's, even if it's a, you know, a local uh, band playing mm-hmm. a couple of days a week or the like, but there's so many people who seem to have just be starved for, you know, for some, fashion of live music or entertainment
1: yeah i think it's the road crews that really suffered because a lot of the musicians kind of figured out a way to cob some sort of a living together in the last year with live stream concerts and so on and so forth but it was it's all the production employees behind that that i think really really had a tough time in the last year
2: yeah i think i think every time you turn around um and you think about a group of people you know it, um when I left uh, Charleston a couple of weeks ago, you know that's a that's a food destination, mm-hmm. and they can't find um, employees to come back. and And you understand, a lot of people are saying, "Gosh, you know, I took a burn. Um, I'm going to find something more more stable." But but it's that secondary, the lime cooks
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and the roadies of. Of whom you speak and the, and the, and the, the the teamsters for God's sake, that load all the equipment in and out of the big joints. I mean, you know and the um, um, workers at the uh, auditorium, they just finished another two million or you no, know, that's way off in terms of Vegas, um, you know, putting support in for convention space mm-hmm. and what did those people do? you know you think, gosh.
1: Mike, we've got to take a quick break. Can you uh, join us for the second half?
2: I'd love to if you'd have me. Well, of course. Groucho might have been right.
1: (laughs) Well, we'd like to hear from the dog. We have a dog in the studio, and maybe we could have some dog questions. Okay, great. We'll be right back. All right, thanks.
0: Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. Hey, it's Tom again for my good friends at Profile by Sanford. I'm all in with my profile journey, and I'm happy to tell you that I've lost weight, and I'm keeping it off. Lost a lot of weight, man. So what's the secret to my success? One word. Coaching. I have the best, and that has been amazing. The support she's given me along with Kelly is the best ever because they keep me accountable and will be with me every step of the way. Now, don't get me wrong. There's really no magic pill or easy button to push. If you want to lose weight and keep it off, it takes some work. Profile's coaches are truly there to help educate and motivate you to your goal. Profile has helped tens of thousands of people like me, and they can help you, too. i got to tell you, the results for me have been really amazing, and I'm telling you, I do feel great. So don't wait any longer. Call today or visit ProfilePlan.com for a location near you. Oh, and mention promo code KQRS for a special discount. ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com.
1: We are back with episode 90 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Phoning in from the crossroads, the birthplace uh, of the blues, is Mike Veck from the St. Saint Paul Saints. I, Mike, I didn't know if you were going to be in studio or not today, so in honor of you possibly appearing, I have my Saints hat on, and the one piece of clothing that every time I wear it, anywhere near CHS Field, somebody says, hey, can I buy that from you? It was a promo we did with you guys, uh, It's a picture of Bill Murray on the front of a... Uh, baseball shirt and then everybody's like god that's so cool my kids are always mortified when that happens
2: <laughs> great yeah, shirt. He's, he's keeping himself he's keeping himself busy how about that the new the new golf line yeah Will i saw Murray, that you know he's selling a llama shirt i'm like oh man <laughs> so i uh you know, he lives down the street in Charleston, so we get together a lot to commiserate. We've had, got a couple of restaurants together, and uh, do you really? One's huh? open and okay, yeah. And we're getting ready to try to reopen Harold's cabin, but um, it's been a long one, so uh, we've had a, a lot of chance to visit and uh, have a lot of laughs. And he's excited about the about the twins. I expect he'll be up for um, for the opener.
1: You know, I could always tell when we played there in Walls or Wednesday if Bill was around because there'd be one really, really long line of people to get into the stadium. And then all the other ticket takers are just kind of standing there going. <laughs> like, I, I bet Bill's there. I, yep, there he is.
2: Yeah, I, I don't understand that. I was standing in line taking tickets one day and he walks over next to me and everybody does the Aztec two-step. Yeah. I just look embarrassed, look down, and then shift right over. I'm like, I'm out there begging, handing out fives. Come on, get this line. My movie was better. I was funnier last
0: time. I was funnier. No. <laughs> oh. For those of
1: you, I, 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 I don't want to, uh, well, God. I guess I don't have a full thought. I want you to tell the story of of your last exit from Major League Baseball, because I I think a lot of people have heard this before, but we have a lot of listeners on this podcast that might not have heard the tale. Talk about getting fired. Tom's been fired from every job he ever had as well.
0: Except for this one, yeah. Well, this is your
1: own. (laughs) You couldn't fire yourself, Yeah, I'd have to
0: fire myself. That is true. You're absolutely right about that.
2: That's why I got involved with the Saints. People are like, how did you end up in St. Paul? I said, well... You know, I had to leave Chicago under dark at night. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> I, 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 you know, this is the perfect place. I, I got to air my one. Everybody in the world has watched this Bee Gees documentary. Yeah. Because all I hear all the time is, gosh, Mike, you ruined the Bee Gees life for three years. I go to Bee Gees. For three years, they wrote for other people. They resurrected their careers and came back stronger. I was out for ten years. Nobody ever says anything about that. Right. And and Steve Dahl, you know, who I know um, Tom knows well, but but Steve never got his real due um, after uh, after Tom and Howard and all these guys were in because he was one of the first. Um, Really doing shock work and having some fun, um, but even he doesn't get manhandled. It was just having the idea that the Bee Gees didn't like. I, 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 you know, I don't know what to do. Am I am I supposed to be sorry? Drunk History did a terrible version of Disco Demolition. Did they really?
1: You get yeah. covered by drunk history? That's that's quite an honor. I like it.
2: Can you can you imagine that? And Odenkirk, if I ever meet him, I'm going to say, man, that's not how I would have played me. <laughs> I mean, you think he was so
0: wimpy? <laughs> <laughs> one thing, very quickly, I have to say, that Howard Stern and I have only one thing in common, and that's we were both inspired by Steve Dahl. There's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah, it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I mean... Yeah. Um, uh, how I mean, people just I mean, you know, they they rewrite history and things like that and, and I I my only comment about Howard was when my daughter was very sick, Howard refused to, to, to go after it. It's the one time I I was a, really appreciative. So Yeah. Uh, that's my only my my only, you know experience
0: with him. But Yeah, no I understand. But Steve what a super, supreme talent he is, there's no doubt about it.
1: So whose idea, and so those of you that don't know what we're talking about, uh, Steve Dahl is a famous DJ uh, in Chicago, and Mike got together and decided to have uh, Burn Baby Burn Disco Night in a White Sox game <laughs> in between a doubleheader. And it was so popular that they canceled the second game and kicked Mike out of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So whose idea, yeah. whose idea was it exactly? Was it you or Steve?
2: No, it, it well it was a combination, but it was my idea because we were already twenty games out of first. And I'm, I, my old man calls me in the office one day, and you know people hate owners' kids. They just hate owners' kids because they know, um, in my case, it was true. They don't have any talent.
1: Yeah, right. In my the car business, man. they call them closers because every dealership they run winds up closing. <laughs> And baseball Except team. for Paul and Andrew Walzer, if yes, you're listening, sir. <laughs> <laughs> outstanding job. Yes.
2: Uh, the best I've ever seen.
1: How
0: <laughs> yeah, did they do it?
1: And they're so generous that's, and humble. Yes. Anyway.
2: That, that, so that's that's what really. So my old man, he called me in the office one day, which is a, which is a corner table in the uh, Barnes room, which was a saloon in Old Comiskey Park, and he said to me, July 12th is not on the schedule. And we're going to play a double doubleheader. And that, for those of your audience who don't know, have never heard of that, that's a doubleheader for the price of one game starting at uh, five o'clock. So the old man says to me, come up with something that we can sell some tickets for. And I said, why don't you come up with a player? And, you know, we're 20 games out. We haven't won in the last month. He goes, I don't have to. I'm the owner. You're the owner's kid. You're the one with the pressure. So I'm walking down the street, literally down Michigan Avenue, and this lowrider goes by, and I hear this. And it's Steve Dahl blowing up a disco record on a 5,000-watt Chicago radio station, WLUP. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people don't like disco. That might be a good idea. So I I went to see him. I knock on the door. Because back in those days, it was 6 to 10, you know, the morning shift. In, and he gets off at 10.05, and I go, Hi, Mike Beck, you know, and I'd like to do, have you out to Comiskey and blow up a disco record for your insane coho flips group. And he goes, I was in Indiana last month, and we had about 3,000 people. It wasn't, that wasn't enough. And I said, don't worry. We'll see what we can do with this one. So for the next month we just promoted i I came back to the office i was really excited i said steve Dahl and i were going to blow up some disco records between games of the twilight doubleheader four people quit it was unbelievable oh my god they're they're getting their resumes ready they're like blow up what what is this i said don't worry about it it's a special effect we're going to put a bunch of disco albums in a in a dumpster put a stick of dynamite in blow them up between games it'll be tribal We'll draw 35,000 people, and I will be no longer known as the owner's kid. I'll be a genius. So that was it. July 12th comes. I look out the window at 3 o'clock, and there's 35,000 people lined up. Now I'm patting myself on the back. I'm like, hey, 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 look at this, baby. We open the gates. 5 o'clock start time, open the gates at 4 o'clock. We close the gates half an hour after the first pitch with 60,000 people inside. Oh, my
0: God.
1: But And but you're 20 not, games out in July. And
2: you're 20 games yeah. out. That's right. And this is not the exciting part because Mayor Byrne calls me up and she goes, Mr. Vec, well, I'm 27 years old. No mayor's ever called me Mr. in my life. She goes, Mr. Beck, if we have a problem, um, I'm going to be in there after you have an hour to quell your own disturbance in the city of Chicago, if it's private property, she said, on the 61st minute, I'll be in with the riot squad. Oh. I said, why, why do you think there's going to be a problem? She said, uh, have you been outside of your ballpark today? I said, yeah, and that great? 30,000 people lined up. She goes, the city is in gridlock. Traffic's backed up to O'Hare Airport. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, Mayor, um, what's gridlock? And we lose the first game. Who cares? We go out, we blow it up. It's a beautiful explosion time. Newsweek, Rolling Stone, most importantly to me, are covering the thing. And, uh, seven minutes later, there are 10,000 people on the, on the field. And I'm on my way to Omaha.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're on your way to (laughs) Omaha, baby.
2: Yes, sir. I was the next morning. Uh, I, I was doing sports, uh, or doll on LUP, so I lost every job I ever had, and um, and that's how I got to St. Paul. It's kind of sad. It's like a you know one of them songs, and that's how I got to St. Paul. <laughs>
0: that's how I got to St. Paul. I love it. Absolutely love that story. You know, I, Steve. Dahl, many people don't realize, but Steve Doll started in Detroit. Well I'm sure he started a smaller market after that, but. Or before that, excuse me, but he started in Detroit and uh, they they syndicated him for a while. But I don't know why that didn't go. I, hmm. I, uh, people got too afraid, I think. You know. Now is he, is yeah, he they mean- were
2: blaming him back the day after the and uh, the day after the disco thing. He was doing the show into Milwaukee, and he really did have a you know have the doll network or something going. Yeah, he for did. A while. Yeah,
0: he did. Absolutely. I don't know. Is like he
1: that. still working or is he retired?
0: Uh, he does a podcast. Now. Oh, he does. Okay. He's out of radio now, but he does a podcast. I guess he's doing really well with it. Well, he's a, like I said, he's just a hell of a nice man, first of all. He's a great guy. And he's just, he does not think like everybody else. You know, you can talk about creativity, but if your brain is a couple of clicks off, you can get real creative. <laughs> I, I,
1: I <laughs> I I'll that.
0: I mean, no, he's, he, I love that guy. He's amazing. No question about it, but I tell you, um, I'll get back back to this one more time because I want to make sure that if people just tuned in, I this marriage or whatever you want to call it between the St. Paul Saints and Minnesota Twins is like a dream come true for a guy like me because I get to either go to St. Paul and go to a ball game, which I've done many many times anyway, or go to a uh, Minneapolis go to a Twins game, and it's all one big happy family now, which is terrific.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a way that we're going to, I, I think it's going to be a very short learning curve, and, and we're going to be able to really cover the state. And the uh, Pioneer Press did a, um, did a survey um, of Saints fans, and two out of three viewed it as a vast improvement. And, you know, whatever my personal feelings might be about independent baseball, um, I'm one of the two out of the three. Because I think that you've got to constantly keep evolving. I mean, you, mm-hmm. Tom, you know that in, in your business more than anybody, or in the in the car business. He's not busy being born; he's busy dying. And so, right. this was a logical step um, for us, and I and I think that we can have a great. In the old days, you know, there'd be somebody from the Saints and somebody from the Twins showing up. I think it's going to be um, we're going to be able to blanket the state. I think we'll be able to do. Um, twice the number of promotions with with charities, which let's face it, this next year and a half are going to need that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, the talent, I mean, just to wander down <laughs> and watch, you know, fuck somebody rehab. I mean, this is really a, a dream come true. Right now, we've got you know a taxi squad working out at CHS, and people are coming out and 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 bringing their lunch when it isn't thirty seven
1: degrees. Yeah. So you're not rooting that guys like Buxton get hurt so they can rehab at the Saints, are
0: you? <laughs> there you go. You
2: know, I hate when you pose an effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: really nice. Really, really nice. That's all I know. God.
2: <laughs> I, I can tell you I'm praying that A-Rod doesn't move to Timberwolves.
0: Ugh. Well, sure looks okay. like he's going to.
1: What is the rumor? Is it Seattle? That's yeah. what I've been hearing. Yep.
2: Yep. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's not, not that's not good for downtown Minneapolis, but I don't know. It's just, you know, as a basketball fan, it's just been a torturous 25 years. Is it How yeah. long is it?
0: Yeah, mid-80s sometime or late 80s, I guess it was. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, well, that's because so many NBA players have such wonderful personalities. That's one of the biggest pricks I've ever met in my <laughs> life playing the NBA. It's unbelievable.
1: It is a different different group than baseball players for the most part. Oh, God, would, yeah, totally. Different. Would we just not have one? All right. right. No, yeah, no, no, we don't things.
0: get another one. No, oh. that would be the end of the NBA. They don't
1: say, all right, we're going to send these guys I mean, to Seattle and we're going to move the, the Lakers last, back. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I went to a basketball game, like a Timberwolves game, I was probably like 15.
0: There you go. Because they've. Yeah, not I done well. <laughs> probably been,
1: so, I mean, I guess it's not a huge deal. I mean, we got we got the links; they're great.
0: Yeah, they're yeah, awesome. The yeah, links does a great so, job. Okay, hey. but they'll be moving too, probably. Doesn't uh, you get the Lynx it? with it? That's oh, part. I bet they would. Yeah, that's part of the ownership. That. Yeah, Is uh, uh, isn't that right, Micah? The the, the, the links and uh, they're owned by owned uh, by Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor too. So, I uh, maybe. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know if that's part of the deal. That that would be a real atrocity because yeah. that's kind that's that's. Going to be very strong, and I think we're still a long ways from the seeing the Timberwolves blow out of town. It's oh, just maybe. too good a it, it's too good a market. I mean, people can complain all they want about you know large market versus small market, but but uh, the Twin Cities is a strange it, it's it's a petri dish of its own, if you will. I mean, yeah. we have all the majors, and there's a lot more quiet money in town, and I think there's probably. People right now, you know, course stepping up and going, "Mm, I don't think this would be a good idea.
1: Yeah, I know. It's interesting that you mentioned that. And that's one of the differences, I think, between the Twins and the Saints is, and I grew up in Boston. I've lived in the Twin Cities for most of my life, but I'm a, you know, through and through Red Sox fan. And the Twins fans, for the most part, and I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I don't care. The biggest bunch of fair weather fans I've ever seen in my life. It's just terrible. And, you know, the Red Sox are, didn't win a World Series in 100 years, 100 but you still years. couldn't get a ticket to Fenway on a Tuesday right, afternoon. It's right, a different deal. Right. But the Saints, it never really seemed the standings were never important. It was really about the experience. Certainly yeah. the standings were important to the teams and the players, but for most of the fans, it was like, we're Saints fans. This is awesome. Well, it's
2: because you it's know, so it's, 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 so, it's music to my ears to hear that because 35% of the people, when my grandfather was running the Cubs, When my grandfather was running the Cubs, 35% of the people came to see the Cubs play baseball. Mm -hmm. And when my dad had the White Sox, 35% of the people came to see the White Sox. They could care less if he set his leg on fire, if my grandfather had shot himself at home plate. It would have been, just get him out of the way. But that leaves 65% of your seats empty. And, and people always say, when, when, when the Saints first started, you know, and, 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 and you guys were, were really supportive, we sold we would have It would have been insane to come in here and go, hey, see some great baseball. Because if you want to see great baseball, you go see the Twins. It's Major League Baseball. It's the greatest baseball played or the Red Sox. So our product was fun. And then you come to see a a ball game. And it simply was the positioning of, I wanted a shot at those 65% empty seats.
0: Yeah. yep.
2: You know, I think 35% of the people are going to come no matter what. And they view the kind of stuff we do as an annoyance. But that leaves an awful lot of empty seats. Yeah. And, you know, I... (laughs)
1: To be fair, I think that most people that casually watch baseball, I'm not talking about the hardcore fans or the players or people like you that have it's in your blood, it's your family. They really can't tell the difference between AAA majors, uh, farm teams, independent. I mean, it's it's still uh, at the, a level far higher than anybody ever played in their life. I mean, it's still, you know, it's a upper 2%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, just
2: look at it. Um, from those laws of physics, it's the toughest game to play because you're hitting a round object with another round object. You're not hitting a round object with a flat right. you know racket or mallet or um, clubhead. so it, it's a difficult game to play and so the nuances you know are lost on a lot of people that uh, you know Don Larson throwing a perfect game you know un- unless you really understand and follow the game, to know what a difficult feat that was, um, you know, it's lost on on a lot of people. So a ball game is what they come to see.
0: That's right, Yeah. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, hey look, I coming to your stadium first of all it's a great stadium. It's a wonderful baseball stadium. The food's terrific. The people are all very, very friendly. Everybody's just there to have yeah, they're there to watch baseball, but they're really there to have a lot of fun and they always do I always have. It's always been fun.
2: It's a it's a community asset. Yeah. You know, we put fifteen million in, the city put fifteen, the state put twenty eight million in. Everybody's got um in the game and the people who work there are love one another so when you come in there's a great there's a great feeling um, because it's not forced and and so I just think that this is a chance for Major League Baseball to reassert itself I mean let's face it football is the exact mirror of our society right now it's aggressive. It's antagonistic. Yeah, It's the gridiron. It's the, you know, um, the aerial attack. All of those great bits from, um, um, what's his name, that he did that. (laughs) Excuse me. But but in the 70s, during the Vietnam War, baseball was dying, too, and football was king. So right now, football is, in everyone's conscience or consciousness, the number one so baseball has a chance to creep back in with its, you know, with the subtleties and the grace and, and the intellectual um, prowess of, of managerial moves and things like that. If we don't louse it up and we make it fun, Tatis Jr., what a great thing, you know. Yep. Bat flips and the kids are you know kids are kids. It's their game now. It doesn't belong to. It. Mantle and Maris and you know and and Player and and uh, Nicholas and Palmer. This is a new era, and baseball has to reflect that. It's important. It's got to look like the people who are coming in the gates. It who,
1: does. Who's your favorite player in the bigs right now?
2: Oh gosh,
1: I hate to put you on the spot, but what the heck?
2: Nah. I think it's I think it's Tatis. I would love that kid. I, I love that kid. I just like the smile. I want everybody to smile, you yeah. know. And and my old White socks, I think that a um, Abreu's an interesting an interesting kid. But there's a lot of really great talent that that if we market it right, people can attach themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree. To, I, we know. were talking in, in the first show. I I was we were talking Red Sox, and I said, you know, the only thing that's kind of pissed me off as they let Mookie Betts go. He was one of my favorite
0: players. It's like, yes. Anyway. What are you going to do? I I have one last question, if that's okay. It's your show. How big a percentage of all this was Dave St. Peter? Because I think the world of that guy. He's a great guy.
2: (laughs) Um About 120%. I knew
0: it. God, I'm glad I guessed right. I think Dave St. Peter is is such an asset for the Twins. So it was basically that he got together with you and then he took it to the poll ads. Is that how it happened?
2: I think he had talked to Jim far before talking to us and he was watching. That makes sense. I think he was watching um, the winds of change at the major league level. Yep. And said, This is going to be a mess. We should sneak in now and go in with a plan
0: <laughs> like and
2: and I think they had it. And people love Dave St. Peter, including me, but not because it's fashionable. Because Dave St. Peter worked his way up through that organization yep. you know over the last dare I say almost thirty years. And and that's remarkable and that's a wonderful thing. And that's who we want running our clubs. We didn't relate to to Carl Pollett, I still call him Mr. Pollett. We can't relate to owning banks and things like that. Right. But a guy who works his way up through the organization, does one of every job, when he says to you, go do this, you go do it. You yeah. know? And and people feel like it's their club. And I think that he's had a tremendous amount to do with how they're going to draw because people are invested in this club because you can pick up the phone and call Dave St. people.
0: Yep, I mean that's absolutely right. I got plus I got to close with one other thing. I promise this will be my last thing.
1: That's all right. Kent Hurt
0: mm-hmm. Her, Ken Herbeck comes on the KQ Morning Show and does a report every week now. And Kent and I have known each other for thirty five years. It's been a long, long time. He's I, I consider him a true friend. He and Laudner and those kind of guys. But we were reporting on the near no hitter, or it was a no hitter. It was almost a perfect game, but uh, hit by a pitch last night. We're talking about the, the no hitter last night. Oh, I said, oh, by coincidence, it's time to bring uh, Kent Herbeck on. I said, Kent, you've had lots and lots and lots of no-hit games. What's the big deal? <laughs> 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 I love him. He's a great guy.
2: He what? is, and, and, you, and that's a perfect example of, you think about when the Twins were really fun, you immediately go back to, that was a great bunch of people. Oh, Lyleb God, yes. and, and, you know, I mean, yep. it was, those were terrific guys. And and they worked the town. I'll give an example in, in Fort Myers, that they worked events. You know, they played in the golf tournaments, and, and Herbuck was beloved. Yep. And that's what we need right now. We we don't need to be um, standoffish and, and prima donnas. We need people who are standing out
0: on the tee box talking to their fans. Yep. It's true. Mike,
1: it was great, as always, having you on. One last question before we go. When's the home opener, and how do people get tickets? Or is it sold out? Mm,
2: You know, my old man would come back from the dead if I ever said it was sold out. Never sold out. That's why we cremated him, so he wasn't flipping around in that box. He wasn't. Never sold out May 11th against the dreaded Cubs. Fill it in May 11th. Call the box office or go online, saintsbaseball.com.
0: Love it. Love it.
1: Thanks so much. That wraps up Episode 90 of Walser Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. I don't know if we'll have a show next week. We, I might be out of commission. So stay tuned for more exciting shows later.
0: Love it.